This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go, and that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP?, was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. Welcome to Mom and Mind, where we dive into all aspects of perinatal mental health and wellness related to pregnancy, birth, loss, postpartum, and new parenthood. It's so much more than postpartum depression. We raise the volume on all of these topics in the hopes that someday everyone will have the support and info that they deserve before they need it. Please note this podcast is not a replacement for treatment by a professional or professional training. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm your host, Dr. Kat. Today, our guest, Marissa Zwito, licensed marriage and family therapist, is going to be talking about that feeling when you don't quite fit the diagnosis of postpartum depression, or at least it doesn't fit for you. But what you're going through leads to being depressed or leads to being anxious. She's going to be touching on some of the 12 taboo truths that she has come to find, both in her own journey and through helping other moms through their journey. Very specifically, what is it like to feel regret after you have a child? These are things that are really hard for people to talk about and certainly don't feel comfortable talking about. But I really appreciate that she's going to be getting into this today because I think so many people can resonate. This is one of those things we just don't talk enough about. So let's blow the lid off of it and get into it. Marissa is a licensed marriage and family therapist specializing in prenatal and postpartum counseling. She became passionate about helping mothers to both prepare and adjust to a new baby after experiencing postpartum depression and understanding what it takes to be on a healing journey to find acceptance, meaning, and happiness in the role of motherhood. We're going to get into some of these taboo truths and also some ways to help yourself and how to take care of yourself. So let's meet Marissa. Welcome, Marissa. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to kind of dig in a little bit to what we're talking about today, which is these taboo postpartum truths that you've found And I think a lot of people will resonate with what you have to say about this because there are so many things that we all deal with going through this journey. So please start wherever you'd like about your own process, your own journey. Sure. I think I'd like to start with kind of what I feel separates my message a little more than exactly how you say, you know, beyond. It's more than just postpartum depression. So yeah, I want to share a little bit about what I advocate for and what I'm so passionate about. So I struggled immensely with the transition into motherhood. And when I finally came to accept that this feeling was not going away and that I did need help, 
I began researching and reading about postpartum depression and it helped, but for me, something was missing. Mm-hmm. And so I began researching this more for myself, and I knew that I had an experience that wasn't quite being talked about openly, which is what I'm naming postpartum regret, having regret for becoming a mother. Mm-hmm. And I know now that there are many mothers who struggle with this, and they need a name for what they're going through. And this may or may not fall under postpartum depression or mental illness. And it's really scary to normalize that and to say that out loud. And Mm -hmm. yet, yeah, and yet the shame I know these moms feel is near and dear to my heart because of the shame and embarrassment that I went through. And so this more than anything is my passion and my mission to validate these mothers. So kind of how I see it a little bit differently than maybe what the current literature says is that I feel that the regret and the struggle if not addressed, can lead to depression or, for me, I felt like it caused the depression. Mm -hmm. But the regret and the struggle is not necessarily a symptom of postpartum depression. And that was the missing link for me. Sure. Yeah. So I was desperately seeking validation that what I was experiencing was okay and common and that any sane person in my shoes would probably feel the same way. Sure. Yep. Yeah. So I just really that became kind of my mission to validate myself and these moms. And it gets a little hairy because I am a licensed marriage family therapist. I do believe postpartum depression is real. It just, for me, the validation kind of was missing in that it wasn't a symptom. It actually led to the depression. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm thinking of so many people who can resonate with that right now, including a couple of my own clients. I really appreciate you bringing this perspective in because it is typically seen the other way that you feel bad and then you have the regret, but it absolutely happens that like feeling of, gosh, why, how did I do this? Yeah. Um, And then all of those feelings. Mm -hmm. Yes. And it's very taboo. I think it makes sense that when we hear a mom saying, I think I'm feeling regret, or even if I'm really being honest, and this is the the subtitle of my book, What to Do When You Love the Kids But Hate the Job, Mm -hmm. I found myself hating being a mother. And I think our go-to is to say, well, you must have postpartum depression, Mm -hmm. which, you know, it's a diagnosis. And I'm grateful that we have these mental health diagnoses. But for me, honestly, what I needed the most is another mom or a professional saying, me too, or I get that, or I get why you're experiencing that outside of being diagnosed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it just absolutely. Felt, yeah, it felt really important to me. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you've fallen into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt 
free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book, Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone, and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. I do. I agree with you 100%. It is very important. That whole validation piece just speaks to all of these, you know, needing that validation, wanting that is so real because the general narrative is that you sort of did this so you should be happy or like, you know, this kind of putting the onus on the parent that they're supposed to feel a certain way because they made certain choices or because there were certain, you know, things that happened that led to this. So you should just kind of buck up and be happy. Oh, sure. And I mean, I, yeah, along the lines of messaging, I mean, I definitely, I hate to say fell victim, but it's hard to say it another way, but I, you know, saw the baby commercials. I saw the movies. Mm -hmm. I heard from other moms, even my own mother. And so I just assumed, well, that's the natural way. You love your baby and you love being a mom. And I was devastated when that didn't happen. And along with the shame, because Mm -hmm. I realized, oh my gosh, I don't like this. And in fact, I remember in the beginning saying, I'm not depressed. I just don't like this. And Mm -hmm. I guess maybe that's the the distinction. Mm -hmm. But it did lead to depression, unfortunately. And so the course of treatment really would be the same. It's just, again, I really wanted just that validation that any sane person going through what I went through would feel this way. Yeah. And it's hard to know after the fact if getting that validation would have helped prevent, but it certainly would have helped something. It would have helped you in some way. Yeah, I do wonder that. I do. And I think there it is, I'm sure as you can relate to, it's a piece of the puzzle. And one piece for sure was the shame and embarrassment I felt for what I was feeling. So if I didn't have that shame and embarrassment, what I suspect is that I would have moved into solution a little bit quicker. And I, we can talk about this more, but I needed to, it's like I had an identity crisis. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a mom now and, I, and this isn't fitting my picture. So I had to recreate okay, what can motherhood look like now? So that was a piece of the puzzle as well. But honestly, I was stuck in shame and embarrassment. And again, you know, the postpartum depression piece, it did help, but it didn't validate. Yeah, it just didn't validate for me. So that became my mission. Right. And it sounds like, you know, you had that feeling that, okay, this stuff sort of fits on some level. Like you said before, there's a piece missing, 
And I bet there's so many people who can resonate with that, that, well, I don't fit quite into this category or this diagnosis or whatever, and how much more that might hurt, you know, emotionally to feel like, okay, well, yeah, I get it. I sort of feel some of these feelings, but still you know, feeling isolated from even that or separate mm-hmm. from that, how hard that could be in and of itself. Absolutely. I agree that there's that additional isolation. I know kind of the party line with the postpartum depression is that, you know, it's not your fault. You have, you know, this disease or mental illness. And because I couldn't relate to that, you know, it's like I kind of knew this, this is situational based on all the things that I went through, which I'll touch more on. So then it was kind of like, well, shoot, maybe it is my fault because I'm not fully identifying with having this, you know, at the end of the day, we know postpartum depression is a disease and a mental illness. But yeah, it feels weird saying that as a marriage family therapist that I'm pushing away from this, but rather I'm actually just kind of adding to it that there could be an additional cause for postpartum depression, which could be the regret and the struggle versus it being a symptom. So I agree that, yes, I had an additional isolation on top of that. Like, wait a minute, this doesn't quite fit. And now maybe it is my fault. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is so hard because it feels like with these kinds of conditions during pregnancy and postpartum, there's so many ways that it still gets turned back on the mom, the new parent as the kind of person to blame. You know, there's just so many ways it can feel personal. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think I'll touch on some of the 12 taboo postpartum truths. Yeah, absolutely. I think lack of bond is what comes that seems most relevant. And for me, other than postpartum depression, which I had heard about, I really, again, just had this vision and this idea of what my birth experience was going to look like and holding my baby for the first time. You know, I made note of what the movies showed me and and not that there's anything wrong with that. That genuinely does happen. I just didn't know that it may not happen and that Mm -hmm. that is more common. So I felt numb at first. And, you know, they have what's called the golden hour where your Mm -hmm. baby is placed onto your chest, bare chested, and supposed to be golden. And my daughter screamed for the entire hour, which would later Mm -hmm. be known as her notorious scream. Oh, really? And and it was jolting. It was absolutely jolting. It wasn't the soothing in love moment that I thought. And that was probably not quite the beginning. I think the birth experience and having it not go that way, but that was one of the primary beginning parts of my journey where it just honestly kind of continued to go downhill. So I think for me, not having that bond was so significant because, you know, we have those expressions, the hardest job you'll ever love. Well, it was the hardest job. And because I didn't have that bond with my baby, I didn't love it. And it was like mm-hmm. a perfect, well, you know, i say a perfect storm. I haven't gotten into the rest of it yet, but mm-hmm. yeah, a recipe for disaster or I couldn't see me heading any other way than into depression. Mm. Yeah. So one of the taboo postpartum truths is that there can be a lack of bond and that it's more common than we realize. Yeah. And again, I'm thinking, you know, you specifically through your process and other moms, like you said, you don't know that this can happen. So it, you know, it can be so disorienting when it is happening because all the stories are that you're supposed to be connected immediately. Yes. 
that just rubs right up against all those. Oh my God, what's the word? Idealizations? That's not the right word. Yeah, <laughs> oh my God. Are, yeah, all uh, those like ideal ways that we're supposed to be entering mothers. Yes. Yep. That's just so much pressure. It is. It is. You know, that's really why I put together this article, The 12 Taboo Postpartum Truths, because although it's tricky because when I was pregnant, I was so happy. I was, I guess, not to be hard on myself, but blissfully ignorant. And I wish I had been better prepared with some of these truths that may have happened to me. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you know, because I wrote this, it's based on my own story. All 12 of them pretty much did did happen to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You don't know what you don't know. So I don't want to be too hard on myself. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you bringing like these types of points to light because it is so easy to be hard on ourselves when we feel these things. Absolutely. Yeah. So you had that lack of bond was one of them. What other kinds of truths have you come across? Yeah. So I had a colicky baby, which just translates to a baby that is not easily soothed. She didn't just cry. She had a scream. Mm. I've heard that mothers, you can identify different cries. You know, they're hungry or they're neither diaper changed. I mean, my daughter just had one scream. I never could discern Mm. what it meant. And I believe she had acid reflux, Mm -hmm. which is kind of synonymous with colic. And it just made my mothering experience miserable. So here we have, I've got no lack of bond. I've got what I would call high needs baby that she's got this acid reflux and colic. And yeah, I just felt trapped. So I think we don't know what we don't know. And I hadn't met my baby. And the way I kind of pose the truth is that you may have a difficult baby and you may have an easy baby. And that's such a simple way of putting it. But just for someone to kind of say, you might have the difficult baby. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you just don't know until they come out. Absolutely. Yeah. So another kind of taboo truth, I think this is less taboo. I think the education is getting out there, but you know, the idea that breastfeeding is going to be wonderful and natural and it wasn't. turns out I didn't produce enough milk. And on top of that, my daughter had the acid reflux. So her feeding time, whether it was breastfeeding or bottle feeding was miserable. Mm -hmm. And again, just all these things going wrong. I felt like a failure as a mom. And on top of that, I felt no joy. I felt right. zero joy for it. Right. Like you kind of haven't had, it doesn't sound like anyways, that you've had much of a break. You kind of started from day one dealing with things as opposed to being able to be. Yeah, that's exactly it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's high stress you're experiencing for quite some time. Yes, definitely. Yeah. So I think another truth is the idea that I may experience grief during this time. And so what I mean by that is I grieved my old life. Now, again, I'm not bonded with my baby. I've got Mm -hmm. a high needs baby and I have zero joy. And so all I wanted, honestly, was to go into a time machine. That's where the taboo comes out, the stigma, like I was experiencing regret. I missed my old life. I missed the predictability of being able to sleep in on the weekends or time with my husband. I really had a baby to add to my life, pure and simple. And what I was experiencing is that this baby was not adding to my life. It was taking away. Yeah. I mean, there's so many layers there with all of what you described and things being taken away from you and then not having any reprieve. Mm -hmm. That's just, yeah, again, just I keep thinking of how stressful that is. 
was incredibly stressful. Yeah. Right. So I kind of thinking through like how long of a period of time was this looking back on it, that these kind of stressors Mm -hmm. were building? Yeah, I think I had some level of stubbornness, perhaps. And I don't know if being a therapist was working against me. I absolutely think, again, not having that validation that what I was experiencing, I wish there had been something named called postpartum regret, that I could identify with it and seek treatment sooner. And again, I feel silly that I'm a licensed therapist, but the diagnosis of postpartum depression, something was just a mismatch for me. And I think I didn't seek treatment sooner because of that. And so part of my story is that I was in that depressed state much longer than I needed to be. And I definitely work with my clients and share with them my, not only the postpartum regret, but the regret I have that I didn't seek treatment sooner. And that I wish I would have gotten on antidepressants, which might sound contradictory. I think as professionals, we know that an antidepressant helps situational depression as well. So I do have regret that I didn't seek treatment and get on an antidepressant sooner. However, that it builds on my passion for this topic because I did suffer much longer than I needed to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, wow. I can identify with you there. (laughs) I think back wishing I had also gotten on an antidepressant. Mm. Same kind of thing. It is prolonged. And I think probably other therapists who are listening who have also experienced this or maybe blindsided or unexpectedly experienced it could probably identify with that too. Yeah. As well as just other people. It's a strange transition and there's a lot of stuff you're trying to figure out. Uh, Mm -hmm. at the same time. And it's really hard to get a sense of like, well, what do I really need right now while you're in it? Right. It's very difficult when you're in it for sure. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. it is. Yeah. Well, I think I'd love to talk about some of the solutions that I've discovered. Absolutely. Yeah. So the first thing I would say is to find your tribe, to know that you're not alone. That was the biggest healing process for me. And I think it really came from my own research of trying to understand, again, kind of that missing piece for me with just postpartum depression. So I was really seeking, what is it that I experienced? Is it possible that it is different? And so I began kind of posting on social media, hearing from other moms. I actually did have um, another professional kind of say, I wonder if you actually did have postpartum depression. And that really planted a seed. Like, I'm like, well, I became depressed after having a baby. But now it makes sense what she's saying, that it really kind of fell under situational depression, which we don't really hear about. We Mm -hmm. just really have that label, postpartum depression. So for me to hear these other moms say the things that I was feeling, but at the time couldn't say, such as, you know, I felt like I had made a mistake. I had felt that way too. Or other moms who didn't bond with their baby or other moms who really loved their career, not as much as they loved being a new mother, which I could relate to. So I really would say find your tribe, connect with another mom by joining a support group. And that could even include online or social media. There's a lot of Facebook groups that are available. The Fussy Baby site, if you have a colicky baby, there are postpartum support Facebook groups. And then locally, of course, there are support groups. So I really think if any mom is experiencing any type of shame or embarrassment or feeling alone, really find your tribe. And by finding your tribe, I will say I did join like a Gymboree class. And honestly, it made it a little worse because there I was surrounded by 
happy moms Mm -hmm. or, or at least, you know, that was the context, you know, the facilitators not there to tease out, you know, he or she is not going to ask questions pertaining to your depression or your struggle. And so Mm -hmm. here we are going around the room talking about what do you enjoy most about your baby? Oh my goodness. I felt worse when I left. So when I say find your tribe, encouraging, find the other mothers that are struggling too. Right. And people who are willing to be open about that is sometimes part of the challenge. Yes. Yeah. I agree to that, that point that you made, like the context matters. If the facilitator is not really that's not what they're there for. It's going to be much harder to find people who are not feeling well. Exactly. Like yes. True. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I was just going to ask if um, what else you have found that helps. Oh, perfect. Thank you. So the second thing I would recommend is to get help any way you can. So I did find the job of caring for my baby just extremely overwhelming, extremely hard. And here I am in the thick of hating the job, feeling regret, and looking back, why on earth was I doing it all by myself? Mm. And I did not have my mother here locally or friends and family. And so really, I needed to bite the bullet and hire somebody. Mm -hmm. And what I've come across is other moms believing that they should be able to do it by themselves. Yeah, um, right. You know, every mom is different, I suppose. If I loved it, I'm sure maybe I could have done it and felt okay about it, been okay with a little less sleep, but that was not the case. Mm -hmm. And so that's a second regret is that I wish I'd gotten help, hired some help. And so I really, when I work with my moms, I really explore with them, how can we get you some help and Mm -hmm. validating that it's okay. It's okay that you're not loving this job right now. So let's get you some help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really, really important point and also a hard thing to wrap your mind around as a new parent. That just like you were saying, there, I hear all the time, I'm supposed to be able to do all of this. Like, when did this break down? Why do we think this? Um, exactly. This is like, that's not how it goes, actually. Right. Uh, yeah, it's a huge job and it's totally okay to have help. Absolutely. Yes. Anytime I find my the moms I work with comparing to, you know, their neighbor or comparing to their own mom and saying they didn't have help, I always say, well, compare up, you know, find the mom who does have a full-time nanny or, you know, whatever it is you want. Make that comparison and feel better about yourself. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. 
I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's never apples to apples, right? Yes. That comparison is rough. Yes. Yeah. All right. Great. These are really great things to point out. Anything else that you'd like to share that you know really, really helps? Yeah, I would say kind of the last piece is redefining what being a mother is to you. So kind of like how you had said there, I had these ideals about what motherhood would look like. First and foremost, I was going to love it. And I was going to have so much time with my baby and all these activities and just this vision of what it was going to look like. And when it all fell apart, I needed to constructively redefine it. And so for me, kind of a turning point was having my daughter in daycare, which is not that abnormal. However, I worked part-time and I had to wrestle with that voice that said, wait a minute, you're part-time, shouldn't you be with your baby if you're not at work? But the mm-hmm. truth is, again, I had to redefine that role. So for me, being a mother meant time for myself. Mm-hmm. I'd started to feel like myself again. I could exercise mm-hmm. um, without my baby. I could take a nap in a quiet home while my daughter was somewhere else in daycare. That's my story or my journey. I invite any mother to look at what brings them joy. If being with your baby more often than not brings you joy, that's great. For me, the joy really was time for myself. And I knew that my daughter, more than anything, needed a happy mom, not a mom who put in X amount of hours with her, Mm -hmm. but just that was happy. So it was really uh, to stop comparing, really examine those messages, question why I'm doing it, and find a way that worked for me, redefining my role as mom. Yeah. Perfect. That's so important. Oh my gosh, the comparison throughout all of this, not that you were doing necessarily, but that all new parents are doing in all of these processes is just through the roof. Yeah. It's, you know, we're all trying to find our footing. And when you don't know how you feel or how you're supposed to feel or what you're doing or what you're supposed to be doing, then you kind of look at your neighbors or look at the social media and, or whatever to figure out what you're supposed to do. And gosh, we're really not getting a full picture of what other people actually go through and how they actually cope. So Mm -hmm. your point to do what works for you is really, really important. Yes, definitely. Yeah. If I may give an example, there was a mom who came to see me and she was really struggling with her new role as mom. And so I kind of try and look at what's going on, you know, during the day or you know, what's it like? What's it like for you to be a mom? And I think she's a working mom, actually, but she had said that, I don't know if she was told or how it came about, but that she wanted to spend an hour 
with her baby, just having that engagement. And it sounds lovely, but, you know, I asked her, well, how is that for you? And she says, honestly, I'm counting down the minutes. I don't like it. It just feels like too much pressure. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, that's interesting. Let's look at that. So I can relate that, you know, having that ideal of, well, being a good mom looks like this. Right. When really she was counting down the minutes, it was too much for her you know, for me, if I'm being honest, when my daughter was little, it's like 20 minutes of individual, you know, that full on contact was probably all I had. And then I'm happy Mm -hmm. to be with her. But maybe, you know, she's playing with something while I'm doing something else. I can relate to even a full hour, really feeling like too much. And especially if I'm telling myself, Mm -hmm. I should be doing this. Yeah, it's hard to feel good about your job, like you're framing it when you can't be present, when you don't want to be. It's totally understandable and totally relatable. This kind of idea of uh, long-term focused attention, I imagine is a newer phenomenon in motherhood and parenthood. I've certainly, like our generation, we didn't have people spending hours (laughs) upon hours with us focused on one task or doing everything we wanted to do. It just is It's like an unnatural flow. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. Right. So I really love what you're saying because I hear it as you giving permission to people to just figure out your thing. It doesn't have to look like everyone else. You don't have to have it look any specific way, um, but really focusing on what works for them and how they can show up to parenting and show up for themselves. Exactly. Yes. And giving permission to any parent to say, parenting may not be my favorite, right? That I can love my child, but I may not love motherhood or fatherhood. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. It really is okay. And that that was the biggest missing piece for me to give myself permission to say, it's okay if I don't love the job. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that, that so much. And I just know that a lot of people can resonate with that. And if I can also add to that, that feeling can continue um, (laughs) well into childhood for sure. Yeah, there are days even now where I'm like, I sure do love these kids, but today I sure don't want to be a parent. And that's a normal part of the process. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and it's interesting you say that. I think for me, for some reason, you know, the stories I had is that, you know, toddlers are difficult or teenagers are difficult. But Mm -hmm. honestly, I think for the baby stage, I really just, again, I hate to say fell victim, but I'm not sure how else to say it, but I'm Mm -hmm. seeing these commercials and I'm seeing movies and it clearly is just this wonderful, amazing experience. And, you know, we can certainly get mad at a toddler or a teenager, but I think it's very taboo to to say I'm not liking this baby thing. (laughs) Oh, sure. Yeah, 100%. It's much harder to admit that to yourself and to other people. Mm -hmm. For uh, Yeah, all those reasons you stated. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because they're pure and innocent. Yes. You know, they they need (laughs) a bundle of joy. A bundle of joy. (laughs) They rely on you for everything. So you have to be this constant source. Oh, yeah, that is a great point. Really, really good. Thank you so much, Marissa. I know so many people will resonate with this and so many people need to hear this message. Oh, Um, good. I'm so glad. Super important stuff. So thank you for being on with us. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. If you would like to get connected with Marissa and learn more about these 12 taboo postpartum truths, you can go to postpartumhappiness.com. 
You can also find her on Facebook and Instagram at Postpartum Happiness. In those links, you can find her book, Postpartum Happiness, What to Do When You Love the Kids But Hate the Job, and also receive a copy of 12 Taboo Postpartum Truths, What You May Need to Know But Probably Haven't Been Told. If this is your first time joining us on the Mom and Mind podcast, please subscribe so you can get all of these episodes downloaded straight to you and share as far and wide as possible so that all new parents can have this resource too. So glad you could be with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.